Hello and welcome to another episode of the Get Italian Football News podcast. I'm your host, Sam Brooks. Today I'm joined by Francesca Amesbury. How are you doing, Francesco? Buonasera, Sam. It is nice to be here. I'm doing okay. Good to have you on, as always. And Michael Jones. How are you doing, Michael? Yeah, it's great to be on. Thanks. Thanks for your patience as well. I know you've been waiting a bit for tonight. Oh, yeah. We, we've had some internet connection issues, but I think... Fingers crossed we're going to be okay now. Let's see how we go. Um, first up, I'll come to you, Francesco. I think biggest game of the weekend, Sunday night, Juventus against Milan. Milan's have had a perfect start coming into that game with three wins out of three. Juve, much less so, uh, with just one point from their first three games. It ended one all, and without being too cliched, was it, was it a game of two halves this one, do you think? I guess you could say that it was. Um, I thought Juve were actually excellent in the first half. They pressed really hard the pitch and they were dominant. And they probably should have been leading by more than one goal at halftime. Um, I thought the goal itself was also excellent. Morata took it really well. And things were looking good for Juve, especially after the, the win in midweek against uh, Marmo. Um, it looked like they were getting back on track and it would have been a win that that kind of brought them right back up to the table and kind of closed the gap to the top sides. So quite a big deal. Um, and then in the second half, um, they just seemed a different side. Uh, it, it make, uh, uh, if you look at the um, there's, there's data showing that you're often this season in the second half, they kind of press um, a lot less high up the pitch. Um, and there's no real explanation as to why that happens. I'm presuming it's a mental thing because, especially this week, they had a they had an easier game in midweek than Milan. They had an extra day's rest, and yet at the end of the game, it looked like Milan were the fitter, you know, side uh, who had more energy to them. So I, I think it is a mental thing. I don't know if the fact that they've had such a tricky start to the season has meant they've lost confidence, and that's possibly affecting them. But I do feel like this is an opportunity missed for, for Juve. If you think about it, Milan were there for the taking. I think they were missing six first-team regulars at the start of the game. Um, they went a goal down. They lost Kier halfway through the half. Um, Juve go in at halftime, having absolutely dominated the first half. And from that position, it's a pretty bad result for Juve to not go on and win this match. Um, so, yeah, I think it's really disappointing for them. And now they find themselves in the relegation zone. Um, it's, it's an interesting time in Serie A. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Juve will just about manage to stay up. I'll put my neck on the line there. Um, but, uh, but as you say, it has been a really difficult start for them. And Michael, I think Allegri came out afterwards, actually, and admitted, you know, he was happy the whistle went at the end because if it had continued longer, he thinks they'd have probably lost. And... It is strange how the momentum of the game really changed because, as Francesco said, it seemed Juve were putting in one of their best performances in recent times in that first half. Can can you put your finger on what went wrong for them after the break? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a bit of a mentality thing, like Francesco said. I think also what didn't help was that maybe they did score a bit too early on in the game. I thought that... It was great and it set them up well for the first half. But then I think had they scored closer to half time, then maybe they could have sat back for a bit shorter in the game. I mean, in the first half, it felt like AC Milan were there for the taking and it felt like you, 
any other Juventus team over the 90 minutes in the last few years. Even one of the, even Perlo's Juventus last season, I would have had confidence in them taking advantage of this Milan side because they look so tired. But then, like you said, it was just really weird what happened in the second half. AC Milan kind of completely turned it around. And then, ironically, towards the end, I mean, people have been saying that Chesney's been the cause for all Juve's problems. It was actually Chesney who made that game-saving uh, interception at the end when Kalulu was free on goal. Um, in terms of what's going wrong with Juventus, I, I do think the signs that Allegri's starting to fix things. But, you know, AC Milan are a really good team and you're just not... Maybe there's just a part of it that maybe it was just a game too soon for Juventus to get that victory. But I think overall, it's compared to how their season's been, it's not been a disastrous week. It's been one of marginal improvements and they'll be looking to build on that. Yeah, of course, they got off to a good start in the Champions League last midweek. Let's not forget with a, with a comfortable victory over Malmo. From a Milan perspective, um, it looks like a really good point for them, Francesco. Just a couple of things, though, that... You know, in the Champions League game against Liverpool as well, they had a really slow start in that game. So is that a bit of a concern? And also one of their strengths over the last 12 months has been that midfield pivot of Kessier and Ben Asser. In these opening few weeks, I know Kessier missed the first couple of games, but Tonali's really been carrying that midfield. So do you feel that though, you know, one of Kessier or Ben Asser particularly needs to really step up if Milan are going to push on and, you know, possibly challenge for the title this year? I think if I was a Milan fan, I'd be feeling pretty good, actually, about the situation. I wouldn't be feeling too concerned. Um, maybe you're right that Kessier and Benacer have not had the best of starts to the season. Um, I think possibly Kessier has been a bit distracted by contract talks. But And the other thing about Milan is they've had a few games where they've been missing key players, including this weekend against Juve. And even with that happening, so some of their key players not playing well and some of their key players missing, they're still joint top of the league at the moment. Um, you know, they're ahead of Atalanta, Lazio, Roma, Juve. Um, and I think it's a good sign, really, that they've been able to pick up points, even in quite a tricky situation. The other big plus for them this season, and this kind of links back to Kessie and Benacer, is that Sandro Tonali seems to have completely taken off as a player. I think he was one of their best players again yesterday. He's had a really great start to the season. And I think it speaks volumes, the fact that it was Kessier who got subbed off and not him. Um, I think last season, Kessier would have played all of the minutes that he could have and purely would have never taken him off. But yesterday, he trusted Don Ali Moore. I think that's interesting. In terms of the Champions League, um, I think they were, they, are, they were playing a really informed Liverpool side who had a great start to the season. Um, it's a tricky fixture for anyone and it's a really tough group. The fact that in the end, they were able to make it competitive possibly um, might help them going forwards, thinking that they can pick up results in that group and maybe get out of it. I still think that's unlikely, but um, yeah, I feel they've got a chance and they made it competitive. But on the whole, I'd be feeling quite quite good if I was a Milan fan, because I think so far this season, considering the players they've been missing, they've kind of punched above their weight. So yeah, good start. Yeah, I'd completely second Francesco's analysis of AC Milan, apart from maybe... Not that it was something that you actually said, but maybe the one there is one criticism I saw of Tonali in the previous game, which I just thought he was shooting at will a bit too much in that first half against Juventus in particular. And I guess that becomes a bit of a question. I know there was a free kick he tried to score from about 35 or 40 yards, which was utterly you know, outrageous. And I guess the question for Pioli is, as 
Tonali continues to grow in confidence is do you want to temper that confidence or do you actually want to encourage it because this is potentially a player capable of the spectacular like we saw against Cagliari when he scored that really good free kick so I guess it's just finding a balance but I guess that's what you'd expect from a player of his age really. Yeah, he certainly uh, seems to be right at the top of his game at the moment. And just just thinking of Milan and how how many good signings they made this summer, because of course Tonali that that deal was made permanent this summer. The same with Tamori, who's been excellent. Uh, Menyon's looks right at home in goal. Brahim Diaz, um, you know, picking up and you know possibly be- doing better than Chalanoglu last year. Um, although Chalanoglu did have a pretty good season, but they're all hitting the ground running. That's for sure. Um, on to Milan's you know, biggest rivals, uh, Inter. They're also up to 10 points after an excellent uh, victory this weekend, 6-1 against Bologna. Um, I think most of us expected Inter to win this game. Did we expect 6-1? I don't think so. Um, But was this a sign, Michael, I'll come to you first, that under Inzaghi, maybe Inter are going to be more entertaining to watch than Conte, but but equally perhaps a little more vulnerable, you know, less clean sheets, but but perhaps more goals. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I thought Inter Milan were exceptional to watch in that game against Bologna, and it wasn't just the the number of goals they scored; it was the manner in which they scored they scored the goals as well. I think Edin Dzeko's last two in particular I enjoyed. One of them, I saw, it was like a nutmegged volley, he got his foot almost between the legs of a Bologna defender, which you know. It's really just that savviness that I swear you just wouldn't get with a striker who maybe 21 or 22. And I couldn't even see the likes of Haaland pulling off something like that. It's something you'd see from like a wily old fox that Dzeko is. But yeah, I think overall, I think they'll probably be more expansive and more exciting. I do think that another encouraging sign was that, you know, it's been a difficult window for both Milan sides in the sense that they've lost some of their star players, but I think they've replaced them quite well. And we saw Denzel Dumfries feature really prominently for the first time against Bologna. And I think he could be, I think he got two assists and he could be a really key feature for Inter Milan going forwards this season. And I talked about Correa last week as well. And I think, yeah, that that's one, that's one part. I mean, we saw, in the obviously it wasn't the easiest of weeks with the Sampdoria game in Real Madrid and they will be a little bit more exposed but let's not forget I mean it's early days and Antonio Conte even at the start of last season his inter-team looked quite vulnerable so I guess it's just seeing how they ease into this campaign but maybe if they're going to be more attacking they're going to be more vulnerable defensively then I could subscribe to that. Yeah, I mean, they've already had a couple of huge wins at the San Siro this year. Uh, Genoa on the first day and then this Bologna game. And I know we spoke last week about how maybe defensively in terms of that back three, there's a bit of a drop-off. But when you look at the midfield and the attacking options, even Alexis Sanchez coming off the bench this week, um, they, they really have some excellent strength in depth there. With regards to Bologna, Francesco, is this a bit of a freak result for them? Because they've had a pretty decent start to the season, I think, in terms of what we'd expect. Or, or is it something a bit more concerning? I know you're not a massive Mihailovic fan in um, in terms of... I, th- I think you want them to be a bit more expansive or whatever. But I don't know. What do you think of Bologna so far this season? It's not necessarily that I want them to be more expansive. I just feel like they aren't going anywhere under Mihailovic. I think... Rafael 
you know, our friend from last year, <laughs> he, he, he was, he was quite, you know, keen on Bologna. And I think he was frustrated that they didn't have a manager who was, who seemed to have kind of a long-term plan. It's, the club doesn't seem to have a long-term plan. If you think about Bologna is one of Italy's most, you know, culturally and economically, it's one of Italy's most important cities. And it feels like the club doesn't reflect that in any real way. Um, under Mihailovic, uh, uh, you, 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 you say that this might have been a freak result. I think the freak results were the two clean sheets that they've had so far this season. <laughs> when you look at Bologna, I expect them to concede a lot of goals. I, I don't expect them to keep clean sheets. So the fact that Inter scored six, okay, it's a bit surprising, but I was probably expecting them to score four. So it's not that surprising. And... Well, you know, I think Bologna under Mihailovic, they're going to be okay. They're, they're probably going to stay up. I think they've got some really interesting attacking players. I think defensively they're pretty poor and they'll be okay. And if that's what you want, just your team to stay up, then that's fine. But I do wish that as a club, they were a bit more ambitious and hired the likes of, you know, for example, last year we saw Spezia with Italiano, how well they did. And if if they could pick up a manager like that who's got a little bit more of a long-term plan. It doesn't have to be necessarily expansive football. It can be defensive. I just want him to be someone who's going to help Bologna grow as a club. And I just, with Mihailovic, whilst he's a likeable enough character, I just don't know that as a manager, he's really doing that for Bologna. We're going to talk a bit more about, uh, you know, new managers uh, as the episode goes on, actually, because there are quite a few in Syria at the moment and not just those who've started this season. Um, We'll move on to that right now, actually, with uh, Verona against Roma. Uh, this was arguably the game of the weekend um, so far. We're recording this Monday night, guys, and Udinese v Napoli is still to come, so that could be a cracker. We'll see. But 3-2 uh, to Verona in Igor Tudor's first game, um, Michael. What, what did you make of this match? Uh, some spectacular goals, weren't there, as well? Yeah, it was loads of fun, wasn't it? End-to-end and one of the things that I maybe thought from the Roma Sassuolo game that we talked about last week was that, okay, maybe Mourinho's had his taste of fun with Roma and maybe we'll start to see signs that will try to restrict Roma a little bit more and he'll maybe fall into some of his traps that we've seen. However, he, the game followed, albeit with a lot more goals, followed a more similar, followed a similar pattern really. And yeah, it was just a sensational watch again for the neutral. I mean, when Roma took the lead through Pellegrini, that sublime heel flick, I guess it was, I, I didn't really see Verona coming back into it, but they did really well. And that Farrioni goal was probably my um, favourite goal of the season so far. I thought it was absolutely sensational. And you saw the uh, maybe the best part of it was seeing Mourinho's face at the end of the game <laughs> because it was such a contrast to that against Sassuolo. And maybe if it isn't what they did against Sassuolo where we started to see them become a bit more defensively orientated, maybe we'll see it after this game. I think it's just going to be really interesting to see how he responds to this game now. Yeah, I think you're right there because it, it seems at the moment that Roma are like the new entertainers. In the past couple of years, we've had the likes of Atalanta and Lazio being really good to watch. Um, but yeah, Roma, it, it's you don't know what you're going to get really at the moment. Um, I know you're not a massive fan of volleys, Francesco. Uh, we had two volleys, the Pellegrini and Faraoni volley. Which one did you prefer? And... I, you seem quite convinced this time last week that Roma could do some pretty big things under Mourinho. 
But as Michael says, usually Mourinho's team are based around that strong defensive unit and Roma don't really have that. So are you a little concerned about that, perhaps? Um, I think I like backheel volleys even less than regular volleys. <laughs> so I'm probably going to go with Mike and say that Faraoni's was better. It's not like I don't I like can't believe you're a bit fortuitous. I can't believe you're so low on that Pellegrini. That was a moment. <laughs> that feels like the moment of genius, though, like the one that you see far less regular than me. Yeah, but it's not that. I mean, is it genius? I, th- I think it's okay. I, I like, you know, I'm, I'm big on Pellegrini. I think he's had a great start to the season. I think I think that's great, the fact that he's scoring so many goals. And uh, don't get me wrong, it's not a bad goal or anything. I'm just not as excited about everyone else about, uh, as everyone else is about it. In terms of Roma, I've also, you know, I'm less on the Mumu train than I was last week, I think. I think in this in this game, Roma looked more fragile than I was expecting. Um, I'm like Michael. When, when Roma took the lead, I thought, you know, they're just going to go on and score more. But um, it, it didn't pan out that way at all. And it felt like Verona, who have struggled so far this season, could have, could have you know, it always felt like they, they had chances to score and get back into it. Um, the thing that is good for Roma in a way is the fact that nearly all of the big sides, with the exception of Napoli, who are yet to play this weekend, have dropped points. They've had a little hiccup, so they're still in a good position in the league. Um, I think last week I said that they might even be in with a shot in the title race. I'm not sure about that now, and I think now it's possibly they have a chance of getting into the Champions League. I still think that that is the case, um, and that would be a great result for them. Yeah, just a quick note on what you said at the end there about them not being in the title race. It's like, I think one of the problems with this weekend just gone is it feels like we've almost gone back to square one in a way in terms of Serie A. A lot of trends seem to have been booked or I don't know really, but I, I, I that's how I found myself, especially after the Juventus Milan game. I don't really know where I am in terms of title favourites, top four, and that's the beauty of it so far. I guess it's just wide open and anyone can beat anyone it feels right now. What what if I push you, Michael? <laughs> uh, uh, you can even you can even have more than one side. But if I said to you who you know who is going to win the league, and you can have two or three sides, could you not even narrow it down to that? You know, I, I'd still have Juventus in the two or three miraculously. I, I still think they're going to come strong this season. Uh, Inter Milan, I think, are hard to overlook, and Napoli were my kind of dark horses I feel like they're not really dark horses but I'd say those three are push I couldn't name one right now though what about yourselves see I'm I'm in total agreement with you for me if it would be a huge surprise if one of those three doesn't win um I think now having seen the teams play after after a month of the season I feel like Napoli and Inter have started the season pretty well and look good but I agree with you for me Juve's squad is still the strongest and I, I do expect, unlike you, Michael, as you said earlier in the episode, I expect Allegri to, to end up getting it right. I think once he finds a way to get Dybala and Chiesa playing well in the same team, in the same formation, Juve will come good. It's whether they've already let Inter and Napoli get too far ahead. I don't know how you feel about it, Sam. Well, normally, over the last 10 years, it's sort of been Juve will probably win the league as a starting point. I'm going to go out on the limb and say I think Juve won't win the league this year. I'm not convinced by them at all. I think their midfield's really poor and they've tried so many different combinations. Um, 
I can't believe Rabiot gets a game pretty much every week. I just don't know what's going on. I don't think he's horrendous, but I just I don't know why he seems to be like in that team, definitely. I think Napoli and Inter look very strong and Milan have an outside chance um, of, of pushing on. Um, I like this Milan side and I, I think they're quite a resilient side as well, which I like. I, I agree with you a little bit about Milan, Sam, but this is what I would say to you. Right, you might disagree about this, but if you look at the teams that lined up yesterday, the starting 11s, mm-hmm. I think two Milan players get in that Juve side. And who are two, they? Two, three at a push. Who would they be? Well, I think um, I see, I'm struggling to think of them already. I think Kessier, you know, yeah, if everyone's playing well. Kessier gets into that Juve side, uh huh. And then, um, Tonali, well, I don't know if Tonali does really. Because if you're taking Kessier, I, I, I guess on the last month, Tonali probably does. But if you think about it, Locatelli is, over the last three years, has been a better player than Tonali. So I think if, if you ask the managers to choose tomorrow, they'd probably go for Kessier and, and Locatelli. And maybe then, Mignon in goal for Chesney on current Maybe Mignon, maybe. You're right. That, that is someone I considered. But, but Mignon, as well, it's on the back of... Uh, I mean, I didn't follow him in France, and I, he, he, he's, been, he's had a very good start to the season. But Chesney, for kind of five years, has been one of the best keepers in the league. So, yeah, there's an argument for Mignon. But we're still struggling. I, I think you struggle to get past kind of three. I suppose you could say Teo Hernandez, but I wouldn't be Te- sure. Te- I think. Te- Teo Hernandez gets in ahead of Alexander. Alexander has been bang average for three or four years now. I, I, I don't know. I've, but Alexander is so much more complete player than Teo Hernandez. No, I, I, I agree. I, I, I think Teo Hernandez is quite a poor defender and that will always hold him back. But I think I think Alexander has been a real weakness for Juve for two or three years now. Um, okay. And, I, and, and like you said, I, I, I agree with you in a way in that on their best day, I, I think, yeah, you're probably right. But Milan were missing a lot of players for injury yesterday. Bonucci and Chiellini definitely, of course, would be your starting centre-back partnership. If it, but can they do that for a whole season? They're a combined age of 72 now or so. But, but even if they can't, though, De Ligt gets into that Milan side and he becomes their best best defender. So yeah, but even he's like... lacking a bit of confidence. It, it, I, I just don't think this Juve team is that good when it's got, like, you know, Danilo starting every week and Alexandro starting every week and Chesney can't catch the ball anymore. And it's, it, it's just slowly falling apart. I think, I think Juve were rubbish to watch in Allegri's last season in charge and he's come back and not much has changed, to be honest. So I'm not convinced about them, but we yeah, shall see. I, I, mark, I, mark it down, September 21st, I've said Juve aren't going to win the league this year. Yeah, And, I and I'm willing, you're, I'm willing you're, to eat my words. You're right not to be convinced. My argument is just the fact that I, I, it's probably more a point about Milan. To me, yeah. Milan, whilst they're doing really well and I, I like what Pioli's doing and they have some talented players, their squad feels weaker than, than the other guys up there. Um, that's why I, I, I can't see them winning the league. I might be wrong, but... Um, no, I, 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 like Napoli... I, I don't think Milan will win the league. I, I, think, I think they'll come third or fourth, but I, I think at the moment, Inter and Napoli are looking strong. Juve won't win the league, um, but another we're going to have to move on because we we're um, we're strapped for time. We all have very busy lives, of course. Um, I know uh, I'll come to you first on this, Francesco, because I know you're high on Lazio or were at the start of the season, but that they have had a tough week, haven't they? Um, they lost, of course, to Milan last weekend. They then lost to Galatasaray, um, and then this game drawing two all 
against Cagliari and Walter Mazzari's uh, first game in charge for Cagliari. Uh, what did you make of make of this game, and and how do you think Sari's team are developing? My enthusiasm for Lazio hasn't been tempered too much by this week. The big concern was the manner of the defeat against Milan. I thought Milan were dominant against Lazio, and I wasn't really expecting that. Um, but the game against Galatasaray was actually pretty even. I mean, Stakosh uh, basically threw the ball into his own net, and that's something that happens every so often. But um, Lazio were okay in that game. And even against Cagliari, I think they had almost 75% possession. I think they had 20 shots, 10 on target. So they're actually playing okay. The concern for them is that they are conceding goals. Um, so I I still feel like um, the players have to kind of get fully to grips with the way Sadi wants them to play. But I do think that they will get that. And I expect them to have a decent season still. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a big change, obviously, playing... 3-5-2 under Inzaghi for five years to, to then go to uh, Sari Ball, as they call it. Um, that's going to be a change. Um, touching on that Strakosha point, Michael, um, you know, he dropped the ball in his own net. He's He's been out the Lazio side for quite a while now. I saw um, there was a banner at, this, at the ground yesterday in support of him, and, and he was crying in the warm-up, I believe, um, so, because he's been at Lazio for quite some time now. What do you make of the whole Strakosha situation? Because even though he did make that horrendous error, do you think there's, you know, an argument that he should be starting ahead of a 39-year-old Pepe Reina? I just think he's completely shot of confidence. I really like Strakosha as a goalkeeper, and I really hope that with time, I mean, he's, Am I right in saying that he's 26? He's he's really not that old for a guy. He, he's not old. I, I think you're in the right ballpark, around, around 26, 27, something like that. But he's had a lot of experience. And yeah. sometimes I feel like when goalkeepers, and maybe Ches needs a similar example to this, when goalkeepers do begin from a really young age and they don't sort of gradually, they're, they're, they've been playing in a high-pressure environment for a long time, these naturally maybe it, does take a toll on your on you know the mental aspects of goalkeeping and goalkeeping is such a you know mentally sort of strenuous position maybe more than any other position on the pitch and I think it's right to take him out the firing line and I think he has to be I, I do think you know at these stages in their careers he's a far better goalkeeper than Pepe Reina but I think Sarri will recognize he also had instance with Kepper in his Chelsea spell as well that you know, he will have to, I think it's a gradual process with Strakosha. And of course, it's probably taken about three steps back after this incident in midweek. But it's a real um, support of faith from the supporters. And I think that will do the world of good. And hopefully maybe towards the second half of the season, we start to see him play more because he's a top goalkeeper on his day. Yeah, I'd, I'd just like to carry on from what Michael was saying there about um, the Lazio fans here. I, I don't always agree with what Lazio fans do, but in this instance, <laughs> I think they were almost perfect because the, the banner reads, non ti curar di loro ma guarda e para, dai estracosha, which basically means, don't worry about them, just watch and save, dai, which is come on in Roman, stracosha. And um, it's the kind of thing that you'd expect someone's dad to say to them after they've made a mistake i think it's got that kind of a ring into it and 
as Michael was saying, with goalkeepers, confidence is such a big issue. And that is the kind of thing I think that can really help your confidence. So knowing that the fans are behind him, hopefully will kick him on. I, I agree with you guys that I think he's a good goalkeeper. And personally, I would I would like to see him get a few more games ahead of ahead of Reina. Yeah, I thought it was a bit harsh on him in midweek because I was seeing things like I've never seen anything like this before. And I was thinking, I remember one at the Euros in the Slovakia-Spain game when Dubravka did exactly the same. I don't know if you guys remember this. The ball went miles in the air and he punched the ball into his own net instead of tipping it over the bar. Um, yeah, and, Debra- and Dubravka's not rubbish either. Like, it, it, you know, there's always a pile on online and stuff. But... Uh, for those who don't watch Serie A regularly and saw that in midweek, Strakosha isn't normally that bad. So <laughs> let's give him a break, I think. Um, a team that we didn't mention in the title race earlier, actually, um, is Atalanta, who who have been, you know, maybe not necessarily in the title race last few years, but they've always been that top three or four club. They haven't started the season that great, to be honest, have they, Francesco? But they got a 1-0 win this week against Salonitana. They're now only three points off top. But but it isn't quite clicking at the moment. Can you put your finger on what's going wrong for them? Not really. Um, because their team hasn't changed that much. They've got the same manager. Um, they play the same way, at least on paper. It looks like that's what's happening. Um, what I would say is that uh, in midweek against Villarreal, they actually... Did look more like their normal selves. I think they had a good game and with slightly better game management, they could have even won that game. And even a draw in Spain on the open day of the Champions League group is, is actually a pretty good result. Um, possibly they underestimated Sadanithan a bit this season. Uh, you know, this weekend, this season, they've already, I think they've already conceded 12 goals. It looked like nearly everyone was going to score at least four, four goals against them. So maybe they were a bit surprised by the by the result that Salernitana showed. And I think especially once you don't score earlier on, then, then you get tense. And all things said, I, I feel like it's a great result pulling out a win, having not played that well. And the fact that even though they have struggled at the start of the season, and yet they find themselves only three points off the top, things aren't actually that bad for Atalanta. Um, I think we all expect them to, to play better, to get into the swing of things a bit more. They showed that bit in Europe. And... Um, yeah, I, I, I'm not that worried about them. I think they are going to have another decent season. Maybe the, the problem for them is that this season, it seems like there might be a little bit more competition for those European places. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah, I, I, I thought the Villarreal game was a really strange one, actually, because they started both halves so strongly. And I thought, particularly in that first half, they were going to blow Villarreal away at one point. And then um, then they sort of lost their way in both halves, particularly the second half, just before they got the sec- the equaliser. There was a 10-minute period where Atalanta were abysmal and like couldn't make a pass, which I, I it was just quite strange. Um one thing I will point out, Michael, though, is I think Martin Dolun is coming back now after his suspension. And I think maybe we've seen these opening weeks just how important he is to that Atalanta midfield. Do you think maybe that will make a bit of a difference? Yeah, I think so. I think it's a good point. That Fiorentina game, it was like we said, it was wide open. And Fiorentina were able to play through Atalanta almost at will. And normally with the Atalanta press, it's not something you normally say about them. I think, I think that will improve. I think one of the issues they've had as well that uh, we maybe didn't look at was 
it's probably not been the easiest summer. I think they've had a lot of players involved in the latter stages of the Copa America and the European Championships. And maybe it's just going to take... They've never been, traditionally, even with Gasparini in the last few seasons, they've never been fast starters. So it might just be a case that it'll just take a bit of time for them to get back up to speed again, really. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point about the sort of summer hangover. I think we've seen that with a few players and clubs uh, at the start of this season. And yeah, particularly in the Euros, it seemed pretty much every other goal was being scored by an Atlanta player at one point. Um, but as, as you say, I, I said earlier, what's going wrong for them? But maybe that's a bit harsh. Seven points from four games, not, not a horrendous start. Um, but it's definitely all going right for Fiorentina, isn't it, Francesco? Three wins on the bounce. Um, are they finally playing to their potential after sort of two or three really bad years? And and they won 2-1 against Jenner, of course, this weekend. Was it maybe quite good for them that Vlahovic didn't score this weekend and, and they're not becoming too reliant on him? They're becoming more of a complete side, would you say? Yeah, I think it's uh, it's definitely a positive. Also the fact that maybe some... I mean, you could argue that Saponara is kind of a squad player for them now, um, not really a first choice. And he is a talented guy. And the fact that he he scored a great goal and that he's being used by Italiano, it shows, uh, you know, I think what we've seen at the start of this season is how Italiano has been able to use the squad well. Um, you know, he rested quite a few players this weekend and they still came up with a win. I think things are looking really good for Fiorentina. Um I think tomorrow, you know, tomorrow they're playing Inter. I think that's a big, big game, a real test for Inter. And after that defeat against Roma on the opening day, when we all said they actually look quite good, they they've really shown it, winning three on the bounce. Um, and you're right, what you say about them having had a good squad in previous seasons and probably not getting the most out of it, it's good to see that Italiano is is finally doing that. Yeah, I think that Inter game promises to be a really interesting one. Uh, two two sides who look to be in. Excellent form right now. Um, another side who's, who's sort of coming into their own last couple of weeks. They gave Inter a really good game last week, getting a draw. And this weekend, a comfortable win against Empoli. We've spoken in the past, Michael, about how it's a very experienced side with Caputo and Quagliarella up front, Candreva on the wing. Is this a side that can maybe be a bit of a surprise package this year and possibly push for a Europa League or Europa Conference League spot, would you say? Yeah, it's almost got a bit of a throwback to the 90s, having sort of Sampdoria and Fiorentina vying with all the big teams in Italy for the big spots. And that could be sort of really good. We've got that so back on BT Sport in the UK as well. It could help bring in a few more of those older viewers. But yeah, I think Sampdoria have been pretty impressive I, I, the what was interesting against Empoli was that Candreva moved over to the left hand side and we've not seen that too much recently He's, you know we've always I, I've normally been used to watching him on his right and I thought he looked so effective against Empoli he was able to cut in at will which maybe it showed how much they were thrown off guard by it but yeah really encouraging signs a player I'm really keen on at Sampdoria is Morton Forsby I think he sort of does such in a team that is full of older players, there's energy and the tackles and the sort of off the ball work that he does is so important for allowing those players who are a bit more technical, albeit not as quick and not as mobile to 
flourish a bit more. And I think it was a it was a win. It was a timely win because, as well as they'd started, they really needed three points and getting them against a team who they are expected to beat will give them a lot of confidence going into the next few games. And yeah, I think they can certainly push for the top half of the table. I'm a big fan of Forsby as well. At one stage this summer, it looked like he might be going to Atalanta and I thought that could be a really good signing for them, for him to sort of rotate with Deron and Freuler in, in that midfield. Um, another side uh, who, who look just so well organised at the moment is Torino and they got a big win on Friday night, didn't they, Francesco, away at Sassuolo. Um, you know, Sassuolo gave Roma a really good game last weekend. I think we, we all think that they're going to give plenty of teams um, a real test this season, but Torino were much the better side and Jurich seems to have really put his stamp on that side already within the first five games, doesn't he? Yeah, I I was quite critical about Torino last season. I think they were probably the worst side to watch in the whole division. I, I liked Jurich a lot, but I didn't have that high hopes for Torino this season just because they didn't really change their squad much. But they were excellent against Sassuolo. Um, I think the result actually flattered Sassuolo. Torino could have scored three or four goals. They were totally dominant. And it's surpri- it surprising to see them play that well um, because we're just not used to it. But you're right, Sam. We shouldn't be surprised because Jorich has showed, you know, for a few years now what a good manager he is. And I think he is definitely their key size, key signing for the season. Um, and it's really good to see Torino, you know, who are kind of a sleeping giant of Italian football, doing well. Um, I ex- based on on what we've seen in this first month, I expect them to be certainly in the top half of the table and possibly even pushing for a European place. And of course, the final game uh, that we're going to touch on, Michael, from the weekend, uh, Spezia getting their first win of the season, 2-1 against uh, Venezia. Um, they've had they've been in a good positions in a couple of their games, actually, so far, Spezia. They were winning against Lazio briefly. They were 2-0 up against Cagliari on the opening day. But their first win, do you think they can push on now after really impressing in their debut season in Serie A last year? To be honest, I I, I don't know how far they can push on. I, I think that with the transfer embargo coming in, I do think it's going to be a case of survival for Spezia this season. Nevertheless, it was a huge victory against Venezia. And the goals in the games were the kind of goals that can really lift the team in the sense that they were both wonderful strikes, really. I think Bastoni's first run and Baravia's, again, that's, Similar to the conversation we had in the Roma game, it's almost a contest as to which was your favourite goal from the game, really, because they were two sensational strikes. I, But yeah, I mean, in short, I, I'm not quite sure. I, I, I still think especially going to be there or thereabouts around the relegations. And I think they did amazingly well to be just a bit above that last season. And I think this season they'll be flirting in and around it. Yeah, well, well, we'll see. I think they're, I think they're about thirteenth for the moment, so so they're okay that they're above Juventus, um, who they play actually in midweek. But um, we're going to touch on that now, Francesco, because sometimes these midweek rounds they can, I don't know, sometimes it just doesn't seem there's that many interesting games in the midweek rounds. But this week, I think there's that's certainly not the case, and there's some really eye-catching games. Which ones in particular stand out for you? Would you say? I think Fiorentina Inter is going to be interesting, as we mentioned earlier in the show. Um, I also, you've already mentioned Spezia and Juve. That, that could be an interesting game, especially because 
you all must be feeling passionate to, to pick something. So that's not necessarily going to be easy for them. And on Thursday, there's also Torino against Lazio, which I think is an interesting one. Um, you know, going into it, I'd, uh, if I was a Torino fan, I'd be feeling quite confident, I think. Um, so, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, and, and how about you, Michael? Any uh, sort of one or two others that stand out for you? Yeah, on the Tuesday, Atalanta Sassuolo. I mean, there is an element of this game where you feel like it's being played at the wrong time of the season because neither team's really found their groove yet. And we know how entertaining they both can be and they've not quite been that yet. But nevertheless, it's maybe because of that, it's making this a bit of a bigger game. Both teams will really want to try and get the seasons up and running as soon as possible, really. And maybe just, I know I know both of them have secured wins this season, but they, they'll maybe, there's not been too many signs of them building momentum. And I think this game will offer both teams the opportunity to do that. Uh, I think the other one that could be really intriguing, I was going to say the Torino one, so but there was another one on the Thursday which um, really caught my oh Sampdoria Napoli. Uh, we spoke we spoke about both teams really. We obviously we've not touched on Napoli as much as they're currently playing now, but yeah, they'll only have three days to recover from this, and it's going to be a real test that for Spalletti against this Sampdoria team are going to be full of confidence after some good displays against the likes of Inter Milan and now they finally got a win uh, from the Empoli game as well which they can they can ride off that wave so that's going to be a really interesting game and one I'm looking forward to yeah of course they, they love to spread the games out in Italy so we've got Tuesday Wednesday and Thursday night um, plenty to look forward to and then of course a full weekend of action um, so that concludes the episode thanks everyone for listening and thank you for joining me Francesca and Michael um, and we'll catch you guys soon. Bye-bye.